Well, good morning, church. And hello to those online. Welcome to our service as well as we get started here today. Thank you for, uh, first of all, I am, what you know, your pastor is glad to have a bulletin. Thank you, Nancy. And Waverly, I understand, too, uh, was a lot to do with that, so thank you for uh, helping that. It is great, I know, as I look through this, to see the praises and praises and the sympathies and prayer concerns back on this, because if you're like me, you know, those always come through your email at the most inopportune time when you're driving or doing something, so it's good to have them printed again, uh, and so we're very thankful for that here today. As we're here, uh, of course, we want to welcome all those that are with us. And uh, as you know, this is the first Sunday after we've taken a vote, and our future is now determined. We have clarity on where we're going and who we are in the future. So, of course, many of you are asking uh, this question, well, what now? That's a great question. I'm asking it myself. So, uh, as we go through this, we're going to be kind of building the, the plane as we fly it, as sometimes it's said uh, with that. But, of course, I know as you're sitting here thinking, one of the first things you have to wonder uh, is, uh, well, Pastor, are you here? Or are you not? You know, when, when Reverend Bias was here, he said that you guys would have a conversation. Uh, my conversation with Tim, I, I don't think it was in confidence, so I think I can tell you pretty openly. He pretty much said to me, uh, Pastor, you are a United Methodist until you tell me otherwise. And as long as the church is happy and you're happy, that's that. Um, so I do need to at some point have a conversation with Tim uh, about those things. But I do want to let you know that, uh, as I told you before, my plan... Uh, if this was, you know, when was asked about different kind of scenarios and what would happen, you know, my hope would be to be able to serve this church until June, July, which would be the normal transition time for United Methodist pastors to switch and things like that. Um, and so that's still my hope and my plan. Um, it's ultimately not up to me. It's also up to you as a church and, of course, also those in leadership as well. And so I do want to let you know that uh, here this morning. Um, I do also want to mention to you, as we just had the vote just the other day, uh, I did get a couple questions about well, what, is there a chance to take a second vote? My understanding is that technically there is opportunity as long as 23, 2023 exists. However, I think practically we've done it, right? I think practically we did all the process, we, we taught our conversations, we did everything that we needed to do, and I view the vote as really final, and I view the vote as what God has determined for our church as we all listened and heard his voice, and we voted our conscience, and that was that. Um, again, uh, I know people have been asking me about that, but I do view that that is the, the way forward here today. And so I do want to let you know that uh, here, that this is uh, going to be United Methodist Church. And um, if you need to ask for any more votes and things like that, you'd have to go above my head. Just know that. Uh, and, and basically, as I am your pastor, that's how I see to lead you here today. You also just want to take some time uh, as we jump into the sermon proper here today to pray together. So let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. The Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as we start today's sermon, I wanted to share with you, uh, many of you have been asking about my dad, and I already had it built into the sermon, so I'll share with you now before our prayer request. But as many of you know, uh, I got the word from my family that my dad was not doing well. So this past week, I got to go down and visit with him. Um, it was a nice, you know, Google Maps says it's a 10-hour drive. It is not a 10-hour drive. <laughs> Uh, and it is especially not a 10-hour drive when you're getting older and you realize, you know, you got to get more stops than you used to when you used to drive. And so uh, it took me quite a bit longer, especially on the way back. Um, I am thankful because I, there was kind of some uh, bad accidents actually on the way back because the weather was just bad enough where it looked innocent, but the roads were actually just ice. And I uh, saw some jackknife semis and things like that on the way back. did want to share with you, um, as many of you have been asking, first of all, you know, my dad is not in good health at all. Um, he is not... Uh, in essence, and he's not getting enough calories for what the calories he's expending. And so 
Um, in many ways, he's, he's kind of wasting away at this moment. Um, he is not on palliative care yet, but that's probably something that's going to be happening this week. And so I got to spend some time with him. And um, as you, I've told you before, my dad not only is uh, recovering from uh, having kidney cancer, but also has Parkinson's and some other health concerns as well throughout this whole process is going on. And so I got to be with my dad. Um, and many of you may relate to this, but uh, you know, my mom passed away in 2009. And, and in my life, it's almost kind of like I've had to say goodbye to multiple dads. You know, there was the dad with my mom. There was a dad sort of after my mom, and now there's the dad that's sort of in the maybe more advanced stages of Parkinson's slash uh, not in good health. And I know uh, my time was not very peaceful uh, in the sense of, um, well, the best way I can say it is when you know that you're probably saying goodbye to someone and they're not ready for that yet, but you know that you may not get another chance. And so, um, it's hard, you know, it's always hard to do, walk through those moments in life, and uh, your heart hurts, right? Your heart hurts. Well, I think in many ways, our scripture today in Nehemiah is the same. Nehemiah, of course, was an Israelite. Nehemiah was, we actually don't know exactly where he's born, but something, he was even born in captivity. What I mean by that is if you remember our history of the Israelites, when all the King David and everybody was king, and you go on through the kings down the years, and eventually they just disobeyed God, went their own way. God kept warning them, warning them, sent the prophets. Eventually they just chose so much, God said, fine. And these other kingdoms came in, Assyria and then Babylon. Especially Babylon was the one that conquered Jerusalem. And when they came, they destroyed it. And they brought the people and they took them out. And anybody who was anybody, anybody who had power or strength or who came from a wealthy family or anybody who had any type of any of that, they took them out of Jerusalem and put them other places. Well, eventually, Babylon itself is even conquered by the Persians. And this is where the story picks up. Where Nehemiah himself may have, you know, we don't know exactly from the timeline, but he may have been somewhat remembered even as a child, possibly maybe Jerusalem, but probably most of it was just stories that he heard. He knew that he was Jewish. He knew that he was part of the covenant of God. And so when he, even though had a great and prestigious role in the Persian Empire. He was the cupbearer to the king, as it says in the scripture here today. But as he was there, he asked some people that came back from Jerusalem. You remember our scripture says, he asked about them, inquired, how is Jerusalem doing? How are the people doing? And the report was not good. The war had still damaged it. The people had not been able to rebuild. The wall was destroyed in parts, as it says. The Gates itself will still burn with fire. And the people, it says, were in great distress. And the only thing I can think of how to describe Nehemiah's reaction is exactly how I described maybe my time with my dad this past week, is that Nehemiah's heart hurt. It says that he went, and after this he sat down, it says in the scripture in verse 4, that I sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. See, this great story in Nehemiah, that's going to get good. But it starts with sadness. It starts with hurt. And it starts probably more than anything else with Nehemiah realizing what has been lost. And realizing what he desires to happen yet again. 
And of course, in the days ahead that we're going to be looking at this, this is a sermon series, I didn't tell you that, but we're starting a sermon series here today. Woo! Right? Uh, as uh, we start this sermon series, we go ahead, of course, Nehemiah is going to take action, and good things are going to come of what his reaction to saying yes to the Lord is. But in this moment, it says that he starts in the month of Kislev when he hears these words. And you notice he sits and prays for quite some time. And actually, the action, you just notice it if you, ever, if you have your Bible, you can go to just chapter 2 real quick. And it says uh, after that, right there, it says in the month of Nisan. So the month of Kislev is like November, December in the Jewish calendar. And the month of Nisan is like March, April. We're roughly talking like four months before any action is taken. But Nehemiah sat. And he mourned what had been lost. He mourned and he grieved. And he prayed. And he prayed, as we see in that prayer, fervent for the Lord to come and to bring restoration in all the ways that the Lord can do so. Well, I know, church, as we've uh, gone through these days and through this whole voting process, I know that in many ways it may feel like to you, as you look back on the years before COVID, right, and even pre-COVID, Maybe there feels like there's something that's been lost. One of the things I loved when I first came to this church was how much you use this term over and over. We are a church family. We're a church family. We love each other. We're a church family. And I know that going through this voting process and going through all these experiences, in so many ways, whenever you take a vote, you sort of have to bring clarity on what, where your heart is. And when you do that, sometimes you notice that other people have different places where they stand. And that differences can sometimes make you feel apart from each other. I imagine that's probably what a lot of us have been going through in these days, through some people who have told me themselves, but I imagine in some way all of us have to feel that to some degree. In some ways we may look back and say, just like Nehemiah, we've lost something. Something precious. Something we want back. And our hearts this day may mourn. And our hearts this day, as we said before, may just hurt. Church, I want to say if that's you here today, you're in good company. For the people of God have felt this as we read in Scripture time and time again, and the Lord is not done with them. The church, he's not done with you. He's not. Not even remotely. The Lord has good favor in store for you. The Lord has good things ahead of you. At the same time, it's okay to stop and to shed a tear, to stop and to mourn, and to remember what it is that you want to rebuild. Now, our walls are up. They're not broken down. Our doors, front doors, right, don't have burn marks on them or anything literal like that. Yet many of us may feel scars in our life. Maybe many of us know the days ahead as we consider our own options and we wonder what lies before us. And in our hearts, we know that there will be some hurt yet to come, even from this. As we hear today, the reason why I moved our prayer time to the end of service is because I think we need to spend some time in prayer. You have some announcements that I need to make to you and to let you know uh, about our church and some things that we need to start working on and work forward to the future. The first is, as you know, uh, we had our normal nominations committee, as remember in our process of normal church years, is Back in November, we would have reassigned and had a nominations committee 
uh, reach out to people and put people on different teams. And uh, what normally happens is there's a kind of a class years, if you will, and those class years roll off, and new people come up and uh, fulfill those roles. But before the church vote, we really couldn't do that. Well, guess what? Some of those people, it's time for them to roll off. It's time to put new people on that. And so we have some work to do in those days ahead. The simple, just normal processes that have been on hold, we need to start working on yet again. And as we do that, there's other things that we must also consider. We've had some people in our church who have worked diligently for a long, long time. And they've been so faithful, and it was time to lay down some things, not in the sense of because of our church vote, it was just they've been doing it forever, and they wanted to get through this season, and now that the season is over, it's time for them to lay it down. And they worked hard. So for instance, we need some helpers to help with communion. And we're so thankful for Bill and Monica for doing that for these many years. We're so thankful for you. And again, this has nothing to do with the vote. This is just, as you know, they've done this for years. It was time to lay it down, but they wanted to get through this season. And so if you're here today, you want to help with that, we need some help in February. We can get you trained, and Bill and Monica are more than willing to help. If you want to talk to me afterwards, we can set that up. We do need some just practical things. For instance, we always have an official uh, counter go around the church and count not only this sanctuary, but other places as well. Uh, the person who had done that has resigned, and so we need a new one. If you're someone who is sitting here today and you say, you know what, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to, in the middle of service, you know, get up at some point, go around and make all the count, make it an official in-person count. We need that, and we need that really starting next week. But there's other things that we must mourn here today. I received letters from this week of those that simply looked at the path that we've chosen and could say, well, I cannot go on this path. Not because, you know, the vote didn't go the way, but they just simply see it and they say, this is not my conscience, I can't do this. And so we do have some resignations that I need to let you know as a church. We, as you know, we have co-lay leaders and both of them have resigned from their position. We've also had our lay delegate also resign from his position. Some of those that are on nominations have resigned, as well as those on scholarship committees and other committees as well. We want to just let you know also that there are some that have said, I can no longer be a member of the church. And so there are some that will be ending their membership. There's at least one that said, I would like to go ahead and end it. And so we do mourn here today, some that we've walked with, some of our church family that will be leaving us. And so we do mourn Nancy Myers, who has let me know that her membership wants to be terminated. We also mourn some of those that say, I know that in these days ahead I won't be able to walk with you, but until I find a church home, let me keep my membership there, but know that I will be no longer coming back. And they've let me know this. And they wanted me to let you all know in, in the appropriate ways, and I think it's, this is the best way to do that, is to let you know there are a few church families that will not be with us. Uh, Jeff and Joyce Myers are leaving. They're resigning uh, from all their different positions of the church, and we do pray for them because they want to find a church home. Also, Larry and Patty Flowers did the same, and so uh, they want to let us, we want to pray for them as well to find a new church home. And I don't know if they'll end up watching this, but for all those that I just mentioned, we love you very much. We pray blessings on you in these days ahead. We know that you'll always find a church home here, even if you find another place to call home. This will always be your family. I know others have reached out, but of course, uh, they're still deciding and discerning of what their future is, whether they will stay or not. Their names are not ready to be read in any ways, but do know that we pray for you as well. 
as you let me know. Now, I do want to say that um, when we think of those who may not go on this journey ahead of us, it'd be really, really easy to say that they're leaving just because they didn't get their way. And I think that's really inaccurate, and that's really not a way to deal with the grief that we face. Because the truth is, is that they're leaving not because they didn't get their way. They're leaving because they feel in their conscience God calling them. And the way we've chosen, they just can, simply cannot walk. So when I talk to those that are leaving, they weren't mad, they weren't angry. They just said, Pastor, we have to go. As your pastor, I bless them and let them know we've been praying for them and let them know that we be telling the church in appropriate ways their decisions. And so church, you know, as you think about this, we need lay leaders. We need lay delegates. We need some people on the nominations committee. We need some people to fill those roles of those who are stepping aside and laying that burden down. I mentioned before, we have other things, not just from people leaving, but just time for people to resign from and hand over to someone else. We have immediate needs, again, communion and counting. You know, every time uh, my family has gone through hard times, one of the things we've always done is take time to weep. I've told you before, but I'll tell you it again. When my mom was passing away, my probably favorite memory of her dying days was the day I just crawled up in bed with her. I just told her, Mom, I'm going to miss you. We just held each other, and we wept. You see, what Nehemiah maybe knew instinctively was that if you don't take the time to grieve, you won't have the strength for the journey ahead. If you don't take the time to grieve, you won't have a clear picture of what it is you're trying to build. And so if we're to build this house again, as we prayed many times, for God to rain down his love and to sing so greatly, for this to be the house of joy, to feel like a family again where you look at everyone that's in this room and know again that they have your back and you have their back, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some volunteering. It's going to take pulling on sort of our bootstraps, so to speak, to help make this place feel like that again. However, that's for another day. Today is the day where we're the people of God, where we hear this news, we take time to grieve. I mentioned this is a sermon series, so we're not going to just end the sermon series right there. No, there's hope ahead. But it's okay for the people of God to pause and to mourn and to grieve. Let us pray. God, as we're here today, we're so thankful for the stories of men and women of faith that are told throughout Scripture. And God, in some ironic ways, we're strengthened here today that life was not always easy for them. Life was not always simple. Big decisions were made. Big mistakes were sometimes made. Families were sometimes torn apart. And yet, God, the people of God, so often when they found themselves mourning and in distress, you showed up. You worked miracles. You brought people together that never thought they would be together. You opened doors to others and welcomed them. So, God, as we're here as this church, even though we know this is a hard Sunday, and even though we know that the path before us is going to be fraught with all sorts of hardship, we also, Lord, know that you're with us. So God, we grasp hold of that hand that's outstretched to us now to bring us out from wherever we are.
set us on firm paths to once again build this Groveport United Methodist Church to be the best church it can possibly be for you and for our community. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.